Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Otto, bringing you a special edition of the podcast today. Actually, we'll call this an emergency edition of the podcast. We have Chase Bartlett, a member of the St. Edwards University Class of 20, who's here to tell his story, a very interesting story, and one of the negative byproducts of the COVID-19 crisis, which has hit the country, the world at large. I mean, so much happening in a bad way across the world and across the U.S., but one of the stories that is directly affecting our sport, the sport of tennis, is this one. St. Edward's University cut funding to six of its programs, two of those being men and women's tennis, last week. Players were caught by surprise, coaches, families. Chase, of course, is a senior at this program, and he is pretty devastated by the news. But he and his classmates and his fellow athletes at St. Edwards are doing all they can to raise awareness, to get a petition signed, which is going to be in the show notes. And you guys can learn about more about that as we discuss this issue with Chase, and you can get involved and help him out. There's still hope that these young athletes who are so dedicated to their university and to the sport of tennis can you know get their program reinstated and maybe continue on next year it's a really gripping story it's a little bit heartbreaking but at the end of course there is a little hope and it's something we thought was we thought it'd be worthwhile to bring Chase on board to talk about a little bit. I first became aware of this situation on a tip from Kevin O'Shea who's an assistant coach at Texas A&M and uh, a former student at St. Edwards, actually. Um, and St. Edwards isn't the only program that's seen funding cut for, n- not the only NCAA program that has seen funding cut. There's also Sonoma State. We learned yesterday that they have cut their men's and women's tennis along with water polo. Um, and this could be just the beginning. So not only are we talking about Chase and his friends and classmates getting their chance to play at St. Edwards again, but we're talking about something that could really steamroll and be and be a major hit to college tennis in America. So worthwhile for you guys to listen to a bright young man by the name of Chase Bartlett. Let's get straight into the interview now. Hey Chase, thank you so much for joining me today. It's really a pleasure. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Um, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing good. I mean, you know, these are tough times, and I think you know that um, pretty darn well right now. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of bad things happening out there, and um, it, I think a lot of people agree that are going through tough times. You can look around and say, well, it could be worse. There are people in hospital hospitals on ventilators that aren't even coming back. But there's other issues we have to talk about, and that's why I have you on board today is because uh, I heard from Kevin O'Shea, coach at Texas A&M, um, yesterday, and he pointed me to your situation. I started reading up on it, and I um, got interested quickly and became incredibly moved by the cause that's going on at St. Edwards. Your program, of course, was cut along with the women's program, and um, you're not really taking this one lightly, are you? Yeah, no, this has been a, an incredibly tough week for us. And like you said, this is a, a tough situation for, for a lot of people in the world right now. Um, but for us, you know, this We've been playing tennis for for as long as we can remember, and you know, college tennis is sort of a dream for us. And for them to take away our programs, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, there was no communication about it either. There was no talk of a 
a solution. So that that might be the roughest part. And you know, Kevin's an alumni, uh, Kevin O'Shea, and you know he he along with a couple other people have been you know trying very hard for the past week or so to have conversations with the administration and figure out what can we do. You know, first off, why did this happen? You know, what what do we need to do to make it better? So that's right. why we're here today. Yeah, and I'm glad you are here. And um, you've pointed me to the petition that now has 16,000 signatures and is growing. So tell me a little bit about that movement. Yeah, so, you know, the thing is, they our school, St. Edwards University, cut six programs out of the 16 that it had. And it, it would have probably cut more, but the regulation is that you, for you to be a Division II school, you have to have at least 10 teams. And so, you know, as a small Division II school, probably not a lot of people have heard about us. Um, and, you know, that's why this petition getting so many signatures, you know, just in the past week we're at, we're at 16,000. We're heading steadily towards 20,000, possibly even 25,000. And, you know, that just shows the importance of college athletics uh, in general. You know, the, people are hurting right now from this decision, and it's not just the athletes. The athletes are affected the most, but, you know, the entire – tennis golf communities are, are rallying and even the soccer program got cut and you know it's just tough for everyone right now and you know we're, we need support from the tennis community now more than ever you know this is a tough time and a, a lot of universities might be considering making these changes elsewhere you know so sonoma state cut their programs in the past couple of days men and women and yep. there was another university that cut its men's soccer program so it's it's tough to see because I think our university might be the first to do it, but it might not be the last. Absolutely. And I want you to talk about that a little more, elaborate on why this is dangerous right now. And, and yes, Sonoma State has cut their men's and women's tennis as well. And, I mean, this could just be the beginning, right? So, so you're not just worried about your teammates and yourself. You're worried about college tennis at large. Yes. Yeah, obviously, you know, we're, we're focused on – right now making sure that we can get our our sports back and that's that's a conversation to be had but at the same time you know this is a conversation about tennis at large uh you know especially non-revenue sports um whether that be like tennis golf you know cross country other sports like that they're in danger right now they really are and the reason is because university presidents and and boards of trustees don't really see the benefit they don't see the value because um there there's not always just a financial way of looking at things and you know i'm not a i never studied business but i will tell you that that there is definitely uh, a lot going on you know in the world so we understand that that universities are worried about potentially not bringing in students and for a university like mine that that's a uh, very big concern because we make money just through our students i think that's where 92% of our revenue comes from. And so with COVID-19, there's a lot of fear that we won't get as many students in the fall. Okay. So, uh, you know, that's where these changes come from. And I don't think that our university will be the only one to do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, based on what I've been reading, it seems like a little bit of a short-sighted reaction. And I wanted to ask you a hard question here, though, because a lot of people might be wondering this as, as well. Um what do you say to those who will say, I mean, that's just the way it goes. These are extremely tough times. The economics dictate these type of decisions, and you just have to live with it. Yeah, well, that, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. And I think that there is 
two ways to reply to that. Um, and the first is that you can't look at it from only the financial perspective. Uh, college, non-revenue sports especially, you know, these are the student athletes that, that are um, they're student leaders. You know, at, at my university, just in the past two years alone, you know, my, the student athlete committee has made over 5,000 sandwiches for the homeless. We've picked up hundreds of pounds of trash. Served consistently with Special Olympics, with nearby uh, elementary schools, with nonprofit organizations. Yep. We've raised thousands of dollars for for foundations, and you know, removing over one third of your athletic teams that that's not a solution. And now, but perhaps most importantly, um, you know, you got to understand where students that student athletes are coming from. For us, college sports aren't a hobby, uh, a job, or even an opportunity for a scholarship. No, I mean, for most of us, this is the culmination of dreams that we've been working on since we were kids. Uh, when, I, when I started playing tennis, I was nine years old, and it's been over a decade, uh, you know, journey for me. And while most kids and teenagers were, were messing around, I was practicing nearly 20 hours a week, hoping that one day I would become the athlete that I am right now. And fortunately for me and, and every other athlete at the university uh, level, that we're members of a select few, the 1%, who actually were fortunate enough to see ourselves live out our childhood dreams. And, you know, for us, college athletics is the crescendo of a, a lifelong process. Now, that, that, I think, is the first answer, and that, that's the non-financial answer to that question, is that, you know, these dreams are worth something, and they're, they're not, you know, worth taking away. Now, the, the other side of that question is, you know, well, of course, the world is facing a lot of lot of financial trouble right now, and there actually are reasons why removing programs are not in the university's best financial interest, even considering those economic challenges. And the first and foremost answer is that the coaches that get cut, cut those are the greatest student resources. These people are teaching us not only how to be athletes, but they teach us how to excel in the classroom. They They help us try to make a difference in the community. The, my coach is the guy who's taught me about what it means to be a, a boyfriend, a, a competitor, a person, you know, eventually be a husband and a father. Yeah. And these coaches, uh, especially in, in non-revenue sports and, and Division two schools and Division three schools, you know, they're already making little. And I know, it, at least with regard to my coach, that they would be happy making less as well. You know, this is something he said to universities specifically, you know, there was no communication when this happened. We didn't even have an option to figure out solutions. Mm. Wow. And so, yeah, it, it's tough. It came out of nowhere, and, you know, cutting scholarships wasn't even an option. Uh, you know, cutting salary wasn't even an option. Mm. Adding more players wasn't even an option. Uh, it came out of the blue, and that's why this is so so brutal, and I think it's going to come out of the blue for a lot of other universities as well. And Another aspect on the financial side is that it's a devaluation of a product when you choose to cut these schools, right? And you're devaluing the overall product that is the university. Yeah. Now, so in terms of uh, my university, right, the decision to cut six athletic teams, you know, is a cut towards hilltopper culture and spirit. It, it devalues the overall product by subtracting diversity, and the whole student body suffers. Now, in just the four years that I've been at St. Edwards University, we, we've got um, 
guys coming in from Germany, from South Africa, Norway, Greece, Serbia, Croatia, Poland, Spain, Honduras, England, Brazil, you know, Australia, yeah. the Netherlands, and more. And that's that's just in four years. You know, these are the voices that make my school what it is, and they, they're making schools across the country what it is. You know, most small schools only have a very local uh, student body, you know. So like St. Edward's University, for example, it's a very local student body. It's a very Texas student body. Yep. And these these programs are bringing in, you know, diversity that is that is very valuable, you know. And like I said earlier, you know, that by subtracting that diversity, the whole community is suffering an experience. And maybe that's why our petition has over 16,000 signatures, even though it's a small program, in just a, a week, you know. Maybe the entire university knows that it's going to be affected by this. Mm, and and you, but, go ahead, please. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to give you one last reason, and that's probably the biggest reason on the financial side why I think this is a terrible time for universities to be cutting programs. And Bring the biggest on. reason of all is that for a lot of universities, especially mine, I already said this, but students make up a substantial amount of the income. So our university students make up 92% of the income. And they're afraid right now that students won't register for the fall due to the virus and that the entire college is going to suffer huge losses. But luckily for the university, you know, sports are the only aspect of student admission that are guaranteeing students to come no matter what. You know, by cutting these programs, our university is going to lose about 50 incoming students who are going to attend. If you add that number of students to the total number of students, who are going to leave and transfer from the six programs that you just cut. You know, St. Edward's University just lost over 100 students. And a school that, that costs $66,000 a year before, um, you know, financial aid or anything like that, that's a lot of money. That's got to be over a million dollars. And the reason I, I bring this up is to say that, you know, if, we re if, if a university is thinking about cutting its program, it's, it's not a solution. You know, if you really want to solve the problem yeah. and increase students, then you're going to need to find creative solutions. And in some teams in the athletic department, for example, uh, especially tennis, especially golf, they struggle to maintain a huge roster with only one coach. And, and roster size is what counts in terms of finances because you've got to balance, you know, scholarships with non-scholarship athletes so that it pays for itself. And so if you took some of your best athletes who are graduating and turn them into graduate assistants, which is not nearly an uh, expense the same way that a salary is, then all of a sudden you can start doubling the roster size without sacrificing coach-to-player ratio at all. You know, if, if St. Edwards University were to add graduate assistants across the athletic programs, mm -hmm. we could be adding up to 50 more student-athletes, which would bring in nearly a million in revenue. And, you know, that's all, all for just a few seats in a graduate studies program. That's great. Now... Yeah, and so it's generally this is just to say that there must be a, some other way to spread the financial burden behind these cuts, you know, that we've got to think creatively and that surely there must be a way to make it so that a few aren't paying the whole cost but that all are paying a little. Because, you know, this this is the message that I gave to some of the upper administrators at St. Edward's University earlier this week. And I told them, you, you can't kill off your best employees and get rid of the smartest students and betray your proudest and, and most involved athletes and rip away childhood dreams in the process and think that you've found anything near a solution. You know, you're sacrificing communities and legacies, your university's pride and spirit, and the diversity that brings 
unique perspectives and make the universities what they are. Um, and, you know, for in that regard, I speak for every student athlete, I think. Wow. You, um, very well said. Very well said. And I think, and I'm wondering, it sounds like you've had the chance to get in front of some university officials and speak with them. And if that is true, please confirm. And then do you expect that this petition might give you another chance down the road? Maybe, maybe next week, maybe even this week. Yeah. So, yeah. So like I said, uh, you know, I, I did get the chance to get in front of a few university officials, um, we we think that they might not be the people that, you know, needed to get the message per se. You know, our, our president is someone that we need to talk to. And at the moment, you know, I think this, this message that I just gave you is particularly important, especially with regard to the non-financial aspect of it. You know, I, I don't think that some people who haven't been invested in college athletics can really understand how much it means to people to play college athletics. And so... You know, right now, our biggest challenge is, is getting this message in front of him. And, you know, earlier this week, I released a, a video, an open message to him and the board of trustees at our university. And, you know, it's been getting a lot of shares. I think we're at somewhere near 12,000 views just in, I, I released it last night, actually. Hmm. And, you know, like I said, this is a small university. And, and the amount of of shares that we're getting on this petition and on this, this video, that really shows, you know, how important college athletics is. Um, and so as the conversation is going forward, it's looking like we're going to have to do a lot of fundraising. Right now, the university officials are meeting. You know, the people that we wanted to talk to, uh, we haven't got the chance to talk to yet, but the people that we did okay. talk to are talking to those people, and they're telling them, you know, look, there's a lot of alumni. They're not going away. You know, <laughs> they've already started fundraising. The women's team is, has uh, gotten a pledge for $100,000, which is huge for Wow. for a, a small university like this, you know. And so, you know, things are starting to happen, but I think the biggest thing right now is, you know, sharing that petition and making them know, you know, you know, this is a way for them to see just how bad of a decision it was, you know, how, how important it is to not only the student-athletes, not only their families, but the university as a whole, mm -hmm. because these athletes bring so much spirit, so much diversity, and, you know, oftentimes they're the greatest, the best students. They're the best in the classroom, especially with these uh, non-revenue sports like tennis and golf. You know, we, if there's, a, I guess, a stereotype, I don't like stereotypes, but if there's a stereotype, it's probably that, you know, we're pretty smart, we're pretty engaged. You know, as all of the universities I know, these non-revenue sports are doing things in the community and they're making a difference, and they're not just focused about, you know, their sport, they're also focused on several other aspects of life that are important. And so I guess going forward in the next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to start talking fundraising with the university. I think that's their next move, they, they, which is good. And, you know, they, they've at least accepted that there might be an alternative, that there might be a solution. Fantastic. And can... And, I wanted you. To, no, go ahead, Chris. I wanted you to go ahead and uh, before we continue, which I'm more than happy to do. But uh, tell tell the listeners where they need to go, how they need to get involved, how they need to sign the petition, and where they can keep in touch. Maybe um, you know to keep updated and maybe even track track um, the financial side of things as we potentially move there. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, the tennis community really needs to rally together right now, and anyone who hears this this podcast, you know. I'm asking directly for your help. I mean, this is really important. This is 
you know, stuff that we've worked for our entire lives. And if you're interested in, in just putting your name on that petition, that's all it is, really. Uh, it's change.org. And I think you can go directly to change.org and search, you know, St. Edwards University Athletics. Okay. And that should bring up that should bring up the petition. Um, you know, it's, it says directly, you know, bring back the sports that have been cut by St. Edwards University. Yeah. I think that's the title of the, the petition. And, yep. you know, like like I said, this support means a lot because it, it tells it tells the university officials, even without us directly speaking to them, you know, how bad of a decision, how, how important college athletics are. You know, these are people's dreams that they're messing with. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll have these uh, these links in the show notes as well, so it'll be easier for anybody listening who wants to, who's interested, to to click right through and find out more. It's easy for me to get done yesterday, that's for sure. Um, Chase, can you tell me a little bit on, more on the personal side about your experience with getting this news, with how your teammates feel, your friends, your family, the women's team? I mean, there's so much to consider. I mean, if it doesn't work out for you guys, you're talking about a very difficult potential transfer you're in your senior year that that's correct right i am in my senior year so i mean so you find out you've got eligibility for another season and then this comes next so that's got to be terrible so tell me a little bit of that you know humanize this for for me a little bit tell me about the coach you were you were mentioning to me and some of the players on your team and what they're going through yeah so we've got a pretty pretty healthy roster we've got 11 guys and you know i can say with full confidence that those guys are my best friends you know those are the guys that i'm going to you know, be family with for the rest of my life mm-hmm. because university has been a home for me away from home. And it, it's, it was just such devastating news last, last Monday, I think when, when it came out and coach, you know, we, we got a message in our, our group from coach and he was all frantic and he was like, we need to meet right now. And we we're like, no, you know, that was my first thought is that maybe we'd been cut. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't know what had happened, but I, I was right in my assumption. He, we got all together uh, around 10 a.m. for a video conference on Zoom, and he goes, okay, well, guys, I, I want to start with the good news now that everyone's on. Okay, the good news is that uh, four of our guys are all Americans this year. The The new rankings just came out, the last rankings, and we're six in the country. Oh, my God. And we're like, oh, my God, that's so great, you know, like, you know, especially for me, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those All-Americans, and that's one of my biggest goals. And I've, <laughs> when I came to St. Ed's, the team was non-ranked, you know. And me and other seniors, Zach, we've been blood, sweat, and tears for four years, you know, on this. And, and it was just so great to hear this news. And he said, okay, well, now i got to tell you, probably i got to follow up probably the best news in St. Edward's tennis history with with what is for sure the worst news in St. Ed's tennis history. And on that same call, he told us that we had been cut 30 minutes before. He, he just got off the phone with his bosses. And, you know, the, the reaction was mostly disbelief. And disbelief for about an hour, you know, and, and our coach is someone who, who he's very lighthearted, and, you know, he was trying to joke about it, but, you know, you can tell he's just holding back holding back tears and he, he hasn't really, you know, fully accepted it yet because our coach is somebody who, I mean, the guy is such an inspiration for me. He, he bring, brings so much energy every day What's his name? to what we do in practice. And he's such a leader in so many aspects of life. Go ahead, Chris. What's your coach's name? 
Our, my coach's name is Estevam Strecker. Wow. Yeah. He's been, the, he's been the head coach for about five or six years now, and I've been lucky to be with him for f- four of those years. And, you know, he's the reason, along with the guys on the team, that we went from an unranked program to one that was number six in the country and had a shot at a national championship before that was taken away from us. So That's pretty damn you know. impressive. You know what, what seems to me bittersweet about this whole episode here? Because I think there is some bitterness. Uh, of course, I mean, it's, this is painful, but it, it seems to me, Chase, like your heart and soul is with this university, with your teammates, and you'd like nothing more than to, than to stay there and continue what has been your dream for so many years. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what's the worst part about it is that, you know, these guys right now are being forced to choose between their their home, you know, their family at St. Edwards University and their dreams because the university has been kind in that they have honored scholarships to the remainder of enrollment, which is something that I don't think a lot of other universities will choose to do. I think they'll honor it for maybe the rest of the year or maybe the following year. Um, you know, the remainder of enrollment, that that's a nice bonus. But at the same time, like I said earlier, these guys have to choose between their home and their dreams. And right now, a lot of the guys are, you know, I would say about over half are, you know, quitting tennis. You know, it's, this is going to be the end of the line for them, and we've got nationally ranked players. You know, we had we had a player who's who, who made it to the national tournament. He won the regional tournament in the fall, first doubles team to do that, I think, at St. Ed's, and they made it to the semifinals of nationals in Division Two. And he's so broken, he, he he's not going to play tennis next year. You know, he... He can't. He said he can't leave. He, he's not in a position to leave, and he'd rather quit tennis than than lose his family at, at St. Ed. So it's it's tough for it's sure. It's rough. I it's mean, rough. But but that said, this could turn around, and you could be back there playing. This, it's, this, it's possible. You know, and that's that's where the support comes in. You know, from everybody who's listening, and especially in you know even the next couple of weeks, the tennis community is going to have to rally together like it it never has before. You know, this is a crisis that is affecting everyone in the world, and I think it's going to have a serious impact on the tennis community. And, you know, whether that means fundraising, um, you know, fundraising for, you know, giving money and donating to programs that are, are about to cut their programs, that might be one aspect of it. Another aspect of it just could be, you know, sharing support and sending personal messages. Like, you know, the biggest thing that we've been trying to do in the past week is, send messages to the president of the university and tell them, you know, because a lot of people, like I said, they don't understand, you know, just how valuable it is to be a part of college athletics, even these non-revenue sports that, you know, might seem unremarkable from someone who's never played or never watched, you know? Yeah. And so we've been sending messages directly to the president, haven't gotten a reply, of course. Um, But, you know, I, I hope, I hope that he's reading them because if he sees 300 messages in his inbox, you know, the director of the ITA sent him an email uh, last week. And, you know, that's just one example of you know, how the tennis community can come together. So we, we need to be finding solutions and we need to be working together to fix these problems and not just accept them for what they are. Yes. You know, because right now it might seem like a good idea for a university to cut their program, but I guarantee you it's not. They're going to be losing students that are making them valuable money. Um, 
you know, that's that's a Band-Aid. That's not a solution. And in that case of our university, you know, they didn't even communicate with us. We found out, you know, they're having problems in the athletic department in terms of expenses. And rather than communicating, I guess the best analogy would be that, you know, their arm needed reconstructive surgery, and their first choice was just to amputate it. And, you know, that that's really what it's like right now. So we're just trying to figure out, you know, before you, you go and you cut off your arm for no reason, can we actually figure out a solution to this? So, yeah. Superb. I mean, and it's and it's um, it's not just you. It's 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 the women, and it's four other programs that were cut. And like we said, this is not something that's going to be uncommon around the the um, the nation in NCAA athletics. And I think to get out in front of this for you is admirable. And I think you're shaping the narrative in, in a way that's important. And I want to just say that um, I find it inspiring, and I find you to be a bright young person that I'm that I'm rooting for right now. And I hope that um, things go your way and I hope that we stay in touch. And then uh, of course, uh, our listeners, please get involved, you know, get, stay tuned to this story, get active and uh, let's help these guys. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. That means the world, you know, and I, I hope that, you know, that this conversation can be helpful. You know, maybe we can get it to maybe a university president hears it or something that's considering these cuts or, you know, couple of board members somewhere hear this, and, you know, they think, okay, well, maybe well, we actually haven't had any graduate assistance before. Maybe we could increase go. roster size that way. That's creative, you know, yep. and it's all about these creative solutions. So thank you for, for inviting me here. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Um, it, um, wish you the best. And um, as I said, it's uh, we're a family in tennis, uh, and it's important to um, – that your story is, is being heard. And um, like I said, there's hope. There's hope. And, and I think you should ride with that and keep plugging because I think you're doing a hell of a job. And let's talk again soon. And thanks for coming on. And uh, we, we shall be in touch, Chase. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay, you take care. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord podcast is a wrap. And I don't think I need to say anything more about Chase Bartlett or his situation at St. Edwards. You pretty much got it all right there. What you guys need to do next is go to change.org And in the search engine there, type in NCAA Tennis. This petition will come out on top. You click the link, you sign up, and you read more about the situation. And um, if you're really motivated and if you really care about tennis and these kids and their plight, maybe you think about giving a contribution. So thanks so much to Chase for joining. And, I mean, you guys can get an indication of what type of a – a man Chase Bartlett is. I mean, these are the type of kids that we're, we're looking out for in terms of NCAA athletics. Uh, so I think it's a worthy cause, and I think you guys should, again, go ahead and find that petition on change.org. So that's it for the Lucky Let Cord podcast. Thanks, you guys, for joining this emergency edition. No tennis till July 13th, but plenty to talk about. We've got some special guests coming up in the not-too-distant future, so keep it tuned. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Be strong. Talk to you soon. 